Okay, well, what a blessing to hear that song. I was sitting there thinking, boy, I wish I could sing. And then I thought, that's silly. Isn't it better to listen to others sing and to enjoy their singing and to rejoice with them that they can sing? And, you know, if we could all just sing, well, we'd all be a, well, just singers, wouldn't we? (laughs) And there'd be a lot of other things missed out on in the body of Christ. It's a blessing, though, to, uh, to worship the Lord in song. And I can make a joyful noise, but I can't sing. All right, it's a blessing to be with you today and good to have visitors with us. Good to have Brother Blake here and your son, praise the Lord, uh, and other visitors that are here. We welcome you. Uh, I won't name you, um, and, uh, but we're just blessed to have you with us. We have the, uh, the uh, boys leaving us today, Serena and Rob, been with us for some time, and, but they're shifting up to Cairns during this week. And uh, getting closer to P&G, they just sort of want to be able to touch it, you know, be up there a little closer. So we'll pray for them. All right. I just want to pause and have a word of prayer before we look into the scriptures. We're looking at the subject this morning of trusting the Lord, just trusting the Lord. And, uh, but I want to pray. I want to pray specifically for Trish this morning. As you know, she gave me this tie a bit over four years ago. And uh, she was, she was um, uh, diagnosed with cancer at that time and given just a few weeks to live and she's still with us. And we just want to rejoice and thank the Lord for that. And so as I pray for Trish this morning, I pray for all sick, all those that are sick, okay? Don't feel like you're left out. And uh, we just pray together as a family, realise that each one of us have got to meet the Saviour one day. And Trish is ready to meet the Saviour when he should call her. And, but we just rejoice that it looks like he's going to give the Lloyds one more Christmas at least, together as a family. And so we just want to rejoice as a family with them, don't we? So let's do that. Let's just pause for a word of prayer. And uh, as I pray for Trish, remember I'm praying for all those that are sick. If you know you're sick or you know somebody else who's sick, just pray for them in your heart and thank the Lord for them and for grace for them. Heavenly Father, we just pause now and we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together as a family this morning, as a family of God, those that are redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. Lord, we just come and pray that you would just still our hearts. Lord, help us to be prepared to hear your word and, Lord, also to witness baptism this morning. Father, we just... um, Pray for Trish particularly now. Thank you for her. Thank you for her testimony. Thank you for her willingness to, Lord, stand before us and declare what you have done. Father, you've given her some extra years of life and we thank you for that. Lord, we just commit her to you now and just pray that the, the, uh, the Lloyd family might have a, a blessed Christmas. And Lord, rejoice together in the salvation that you've given us in the Lord Jesus. Just strengthen Trisha's body for as long as you desire, Lord. Enable her, give her grace, Lord, day by day. Also for Daryl, we commit him to you and pray that you would help to minister to his wife, to love her and to cherish her. Father, 
We pray for each one of us in the same vein. Lord, none of us know how many days we have before us. And so, Lord, we just pray for each one that is sick, sorrowing in any way amongst us, struggling just day by day with the affairs of life, just struggling, Lord, perhaps to lift one foot in front of another for whatever reason, whatever malady. And Father, we just pray for grace, for strength, for enablement, and Lord, above all, that we would worship the King, the Lord Jesus, no matter what happens to us in this body. Lord, we realise and acknowledge that when we are absent from this body, then we be present with the Lord. So help us, Lord, to look forward to that day. But while we're here, Lord, help us to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus, to rejoice in his presence and to rejoice amongst the brethren. So, Father, we just commit ourselves to you now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned in my prayer, we'll be having a baptism this morning and uh, Sister Winnie Blake is going to be baptised at the end of the service. So uh, we look forward to that and rejoice in Winnie's testimony this morning. All right, Psalm 52, you're there in our passage that we read. And a look at the subject this morning of trust. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It's easy to quote that verse, isn't it? It's easy to memorise, but it's another thing to trust. It's another thing to trust. In this sin-cursed world that we live in, it's difficult to find people you can trust or that you can trust explicitly. In fact, the fact is that we let each other down and there's times where trust is eroded and uh, destroyed even amongst us and it's difficult to build back up again. Very easy to destroy something. Very hard to build it back and trust is one of those things. But the Bible talks much about trust and particularly trusting in the Lord. It shows us many things not to trust in. And one of the first of those things is in, in our passage here in, in verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. In other words, made not God his trust. But trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. We see people around us always, don't, all the time, don't we, that trust in their riches. And you and I can fall guilty of doing the same thing ourselves, even as children of God. We can forget God whom we have put our trust in and then begin just the, because of the daily rigours of life and the daily needs to go to work and then the, and then the reaping of reward from going to work and, and we reap it in and we begin to trust in that very thing that we've reaped. We, put, we have, find our, our bank balance growing at times and 
I'm not saying it happens for all of us. You know, there's times when our bank balance goes from there to there in just a, a plummet, doesn't it? You know, overnight, just gone. And uh, you think, where did that go? And I think the Lord takes it away sometimes just to sort of show us that it's very fickle stuff. But to trust in wealth is one thing we can do and we do do. We can trust in ourselves. Trust in our own righteousness, the Bible talks about in Luke 18. We may go there in a bit. We can trust in our cities, our walls and our gates and, and our houses and we could trust in chariots and war machines and the ability of our nation to protect itself and we think we're in great safety because, oh, we have a great war arsenal. We can trust in man. Jeremiah talks much about trusting in man and warns not to do it. He warns also not to trust in kings and rulers you know, we, uh, we, we, we see elections come along in our country and overseas and we've just seen one in America and, and the trust that is put into uh, politicians is frightening at times, frightening what people will think that they, they can trust this man or this woman and to lead us into the future. And the Lord warns us very clearly, be careful of doing such. False prophets, and this is, this is sad, but when it gets in our own midst and we find ones that call upon the name of the Lord, but they actually say false things in the name of the Lord. And Jeremiah, also in Jeremiah chapter 29, warned about a false prophet by the name of Shemaiah. And then in chapter 28, another one called Hananiah. And uh, he said, you have caused this people to trust in a lie. They trusted in the words of these particular prophets. And these prophets were saying, no, we're not going to go into Babylon. We're not going to be taken by the, the, the Babylonians into captivity. That's Jeremiah's speech, you know. And they'd point the finger at him and say, he's the false prophet, when they actually were the false prophet. And uh, they were causing the people to trust in a lie, Jeremiah wisely said, well, look, if what you say comes to pass, then fair enough. I'm the false prophet and you're the true prophet. He said, but until it comes to pass, you know, your words haven't been proven. And he said about Hananiah, he said, by this time next year, you'll be dead. And Jeremiah's words came true and Hananiah was dead. Jeremiah lived on. It's difficult at times when these sorts of things happen, don't they? When we have one preacher says this and one preacher says that and they contradict. And it's difficult to figure out at times, well, what is the lie and what is the truth? But brethren, I just urge you this morning and I want to encourage you as we come to the end of 2016 and each one of us are going to go our different ways over Christmas. Many of you are going to go away on holidays and and uh, you'll have a break away and then you'll come back. But I want to urge you, just be in this book. Be in this book. I want to urge you, even on the subject of trust, take your, uh, your, your concordance and look up the word trust. And look at the, word, look at the, 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 uh, 
the, the passages that it speaks of trust in the Lord. And even if you just put trust and the Lord and find every verse that has trust and the Lord in it, you'll find about 69 verses, okay? The majority of them are in the book of Psalms. And there's some great passages there talking about trusting in the Lord. And uh, here in our, in our passage, the psalmist says in verse 8, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. In contrast to the man in verse 7 who trusted in the abundance of his riches and trusted and strengthened himself in his wickedness, the psalmist says, I trust in the mercy of God. I want us to look at this for a little bit. Instead of trusting in, in riches, we need to trust in the mercy of God. Instead of trusting in ourselves, we need to trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Let's look at a couple of passages. Let's go to, uh, well, just, just um, uh, go over to Mark, shall we? Mark, and we'll look at a couple of passages in regards to trusting in riches. The Lord Jesus spoke here and was Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. The Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples and, and uh, he, he'd just spoken to the, the young man, the rich man that uh, had come and, and uh, asked him, Master, good master, in verse 17, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God, but one, that is God. You know the commandments and he said in verse 20, I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus beholding him in verse 21, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. And it says that he was sad, the young man at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Great possessions. Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answers, answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for those that trust or for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier, he says, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, they sort of said, well, then that's impossible, isn't it? A, a rich man can never be saved. And Jesus countered that and said, look, he can be saved, but it's impossible with men, but it's possible with God. So, uh, brethren, when we get rich, it can very easily take away our trust from God. It can keep us from God and then it can also keep us, uh, can sort of separate us from God if we begin to trust in our riches afterwards. I was, uh, I was good friends with a man out at uh, Burke when we were living at Kunnamulla and uh, he had become a multi-millionaire growing cotton there in Burke and and uh, he, uh, you know, he'd spearheaded the, 
the organisation of Darling Farms and, and they were growing just bales and bales of cotton and uh, they'd become a very rich family. Anyway, this, uh, this man I became quite friendly with and, and uh, he shifted back to the States and uh, he left the you know, farm here and uh, left it running in other hands and went to the States and, and he spread his money in different areas, three particular areas. He had his money in the farm back here in Australia. He put money into real estate and then he put money into trading derivatives. He spread his money three ways. He thought, I'll spread my risk. I'll spread it in a three-pronged stool and uh, I'll never be able to lose it. If one falls, well, at least they'll still have two left, you know. And if two fall, well, at least there'll be one left. Well, 2008 came along, the GFC. Well, guess what happened? Every stick of his stool fell. Every stick. The farm here in Australia was suddenly... uh, the government decided in their wisdom to uh, uh, reduce the water allocations for, for, for cotton growing, slashed it to 37% out of what they had, 100%. And overnight, just overnight, the value of their property plunged to where it was worth less than, than the debt that they owned, right? So that was wiped. His value in his farm was wiped. The, uh, the GFC hit in, in America... And his real estate just plunged to where he owed more than he, you know, the equity that he had. And his derivative trading, which I don't, for a, I can't figure for a, a second why he got into that. But anyway, he did. <laughs> and he did very well. And then guess what? He lost the lot. Like he had millions in derivative trading, and it, in one stroke, it was gone. Well, he's a godly man. He's a Christian man. And I saw him five years ago, and I'd heard that this had happened, and I saw him. I went through Burke, and I said, Sam, I heard what happened. I said, how did you handle it? He said, brother, I didn't very well. He said, I got mad with God. He said, I got mad with everybody. He said, I just couldn't figure out how this could happen. I mean, he, he gave money, a lot of money to the things of the Lord. And uh, he said, I went to my pastor and I grabbed him by the throat virtually and I said, we're going into your office and we're not going to leave until I get answers. And that pastor wisely said, Sam, we are not going into that office. You've got to work this out yourself. Because I don't have any answers that you don't already know yourself. And, uh, and I said to him, well, how did you handle it? Well, he said, the Lord just taught me. And he said, looking back now, it was the best thing that ever happened to me and my family. He had to come back here to Australia and go on wages to pay his debt. He'd been a millionaire, multi-millionaire, Remember? He had to come back here to Australia. He's now down in Griffith working on wages again. Still to pay his debt, to pay his wage. Brethren, the Lord took that away with a stroke. He'd begun, he realised, he said, I'd begun to trust in my riches instead of my trust wholly in the Lord. It can happen. I want you to come with me on this subject to, where is it? Uh, Kings. Chronicles, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, the, uh, 
the uh, Reubenites and the Gadites. Here it is, 1 Chronicles 5 and verse 20. 1 Chronicles 5 and verse 20. I sort of got off my track a little bit, but um, it's okay. It's a good illustration of, of this happening. 1 Chronicles chapter 5. One Chronicles five and verses twenty, starting in verse eighteen, the sons of Reuben and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh are valiant men. Uh, Forty-four thousand seven hundred and sixty of them went out to war, in verse eighteen, and they made war with the Hagarites. Hagarites, and it says in verse twenty, and they were helped against them. And the Hagarites were delivered into their hand and all that were with them for they cried to God in the battle and he was entreated of them because they put their trust in him. Now they repped back out of that battle but I want you to remember, just remember that phrase, they put their trust in him, in God. God helped them. They repped away in verse 21 the cattle of the Hagarites and their camels 50,000 Sheep, 250,000, asses, 2,000, and of men, 100,000. Remember, there was only 40-something thousand of them that went against them. They took captive 100,000 men. So the booty was huge. You know, that's not counting how many they slew. All right? So God helped them, right? That's, That's my point. But then look in verse uh, 25. And they transgressed against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. And then we go on and God took it away from them. Okay? What my point is this. You and I as a child of God can begin to put our trust in what we have and get our eyes off of the Lord. And the Lord may just take it away with a swipe. He did it with them. He did it with my friend Sam. Brethren, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't trust in what you have, but use it for the Lord. Is it, is it a, uh, a tool or a treasure to you? Is it a tool to use for the Lord or is it a treasure? Is it your treasure, you think, and I'm just going to heap it up? In uh, 1 Timothy, I think it is, chapter 6, uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy there, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. Okay, so he's there saying, charge them in the brethren, charge the brethren, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all things to enjoy. Something like that. I might have missed out a a word or two. So, brethren, trust not in riches. All right, just finishing, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 18. I don't want to sort of... uh, go too long this morning before we have the baptism but I want to go to Luke and just finish off with uh, Luke chapter 18 
looking at the, uh, the man here who trusted in his righteousness, trusted in his righteousness to save him, trusted in his righteousness before God. In verse uh, 9, Jesus spake this parable, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Brethren, you and I can get like that, even as a child of God. I was certainly like that before I got saved. Not to the same extent, but I'd been brought up in, in church and See, I'm already comparing myself, aren't I? I'm being just like him. All right, you know, not to the same extent, I said. There's a bit of Pharisee in every one of us, I'm convinced. But as a young man, you know, as a teenage young man, I'd been brought up in church and, and I had the, uh, the look down my nose of, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I didn't know that I wasn't a Christian thought I was, made myself, you know, here in my head. But I said, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I'm better than those other people. I don't do those sorts of things. I, you know, I don't do this or that. And so I'm better and I don't need to go to church. This fella, well, he did go to church, didn't he? He went to the temple. But he said, God, I'm not like other men, but he trusted that God simply says he trusted in himself, trusted in his own righteousness. Brethren, I urge you this morning, don't fall into that trap or don't re-fall into it. Don't look down your nose at others. Don't look down your nose at those that are, don't have what you have, can't do what you do. But for the grace of God, you, can't, you wouldn't be where you are. I would not be where I am, but for the grace of God. I want you to come back to Psalm 52. Psalm 52. Love verse 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God. You know, over in Luke chapter 18, the, the sinner, the man who acknowledged his sin, beat upon his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
God had mercy upon him. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other who thought himself something and was not. And here the psalmist says, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. And he says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I like that. I'll tell you a story as we finish. Rhonda and I were privileged to go up to uh, Gladstone a few weeks ago and, and uh, be at the uh, 25th anniversary of the church there, Shining Light Baptist Church at Boyne Tannum area, just outside of Gladstone. And, and it started back when I was pastor at Gladstone. And there was a young man that got saved uh, just sort of at the end of my ministry and and uh, when, I, when the pastor there, Pastor Luke, rang me up, I said, is, is Shane still with you in the church? He said, Shane's with me. He said he's one of my key men in the church. He said, if it wasn't for Shane, I probably wouldn't be here as pastor. I said, tell me more. Anyway, and when I went back there, and, and I hadn't seen Shane for over 20 years, and and he came the first night we were there and I said, Shane, tell me. Tell me your testimony. Tell me what's happened in your life. He said, well, don't you remember? And I had to admit I didn't remember. You know, my memory's terrible. And the last sort of days of my ministry there were just a blur, cloud. And uh, Anyway, he told me his testimony. He said, he said, you know, I grew up in the church at Faith in Gladstone and my mum brought me to church there until I was 15. I said, yeah, I remember. He said, you know, at the age of 15, my dad said, Lola, that's his mum, Lola, Shane doesn't have to go to church anymore. Dad didn't go to church. Dad was an atheist, reckons he's an atheist, hard man. And uh, he said, Shane does not need to go to church anymore. He's a man. And Shane thought, you beauty. I don't have to go to church anymore. So he's quit coming. He said, well, my dad's an atheist, so I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. For three years, he, he wandered away and he started to, to work and do his own thing. And, and he got heavy into death metal music, heavy metal satanic stuff. But, oh, no, there's no God, you know. And uh, he tried to convince himself, no, there's no God. There's no God. And uh, he, he, um, he walked the walk of his dad for three years. He said, but one, you know, I was troubled, he said. I was troubled in my mind and, and all the things that I'd been taught at church just kept coming back to my mind. You're a sinner, Shane. You need to be saved. Jesus is the saviour. No, 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 it's not true. God is dead. Uh, my dad said so, I'm an atheist. And he tried to put it out of his mind and he got, as I said, heavy into this death metal music and he went further and further away from the Lord. And one day, you know, he's more and more troubled. He said, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. And uh, I didn't know this was all happening. I was standing in the street in Gladstone one day with, a, with another man who was preaching and he was preaching on that side of the street and uh, I was on this side just giving out tracts. And who should walk up but Shane? And uh, he, he told me, he said, I looked up and I saw Robert preaching. He said, who let him out here? You know, that's disgusting having him on the street. And, uh, and uh, 
He walked past me though and I reached out my hand. He said, this hand came out in front of me. He said, the biggest hand ever saw. <laughs> I thought, I've kept looking at my hand ever since. Thought, well, I don't think it's that big. But anyway, to him that day, it was a huge hand. <laughs> he said, this hand came down and said, hello, Shane. And I took his hand and shook it and gave him a tract. And he walked on. But a voice sort of said to him in his, in his subconscious, said, you can go and talk to that man. You can trust him. And a few weeks later, he, he rang me up. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, well, prayer meeting's on tonight. How about you meet me after prayer meeting? And I, I'd forgotten all this. He's telling me it, okay? And uh, he said, I came to prayer meeting. You picked me up. We drove away in the car. You told me the gospel. You showed me how I needed to be saved. And I evidently said to him that night, I said, Shane, you know you're on your way to hell. You know you need to be saved. How about you call upon the Lord tonight? He said, no. And went off. That night, though, he was deeply troubled. He said, I got up in the morning and I could not get it out of my head. He said, this is ridiculous. I am on my way to hell and I know it. And he got down by the side of his bed that morning and called upon the Lord and he got saved. He then came to me and uh, I, I must have taken him through some discipleship material. I can't even remember doing that. And I said to him, Shane, who, who, who baptised you? He said, you don't remember that either, do you? <laughs> he said, you did. Out at the ranch. Don't you remember? I said, I'm sorry. Anyway, I baptised him and and, and his sister the same day, evidently. And, and uh, brethren, he's gone on to be this green olive tree in that church at, uh, at Shining Light. He, he's steadfast. You know, he said to me, he said, you told me, you know, I come to church here. But, I, but at the time, we were encouraging brethren to go down to the church at Boyntanum and help the work there and and he evidently, he evidently went there once or twice and then he said, God seemed to speak to me one day and said, Shane, you're not a church hopper. I don't want you to go back and forwards wherever you sort of feel like going. I want you to be in this church and stay there. Shane, you're going to see a lot of people come and go in your time here. And they've had two, three pastors since he's been there. And a lot of people in and out of the church. But guess who's steadfast? Shane. He's this green olive tree. And he trusts in the mercy of God. We need to finish, but I want to tell you one more thing. He came to me, this is just not long after he got saved. He said, Pastor, he said, I have a pile of death metal music records, memorabilia, T-shirts, stuff on them that was just despicable, disgusting stuff. He said, I need to get rid of it. I can't give it away. I can't sell it. What do I do with it? I said, brother, how about you come out to my place and we'll light a bonfire and you can feed it into it. Well, he did. He put literally thousands of dollars worth of stuff into that fire that night and watched it burn up. Brethren, he's a green olive tree for the Lord. He's trusted in the Lord. He said, whatever God says I've got to do, that's what I want to do. 
and he's a trustworthy man in that place. I just rejoice. Like I said, I'd forgotten it all, but uh, it was good to be reminded and to realise the goodness of God. Brethren, trust in the mercy of God. Trust in the mercy of God. Don't trust your own riches. Don't trust your own righteousness. And there's all those other things I mentioned in the scriptures that we ought not trust, but trust in the mercy of God. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll have uh, Winnie get baptised. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness to us this morning, and uh, just thank you that we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our understanding. Lord, and not lean unto our own understanding. In all our ways, we ought to acknowledge you, and you promise that you shall direct our paths. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to, to us. We do thank you for a man like Shane up there in, in uh, Gladstone and just commit him to you and his family now. He's married and has children and he's a stalwart in that church. Help us, Lord, each one here to be a stalwart in the place that you've planted us, to be a green olive tree and to produce for you. Lord, help us not to trust in riches in any way. Help us, Lord, not to trust in our own righteousness or in ourselves in any way, but to throw ourselves upon the mercy of God. Father, we thank you. Commit ourselves to you now. Pray you bless the baptism now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.